Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. All right, tonight we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So I entitled the message about the Holy Spirit. How about that? Clever, huh? <laughs> Look at John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. We'll read those first. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Look at verses 25 and 26. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And then go to chapter 15. Look at verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then chapter 16, beginning at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Notice that expression. I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will prove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Father, we thank you for your holy written word. And we believe, dear Father God, that you give us ears anointed to hear what you have to speak to our hearts tonight. Minds that are open to it. Hearts that are receptive to it. Change us by what we hear as we purpose in our hearts to conform to the very image that Jesus has provided for us in his great redemptive work. We thank you, dear Father God, for anointing upon my lips of clay to proclaim truth with power and demonstration. I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer as I yield myself to you. Father, be glorified in all that's said and done, and we'll give you all the praises you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Before Jesus returned to heaven, he spent much time talking to his disciples about the ministry or the advent of the Holy Spirit. And many scholars and theologians believe that this conversation took place at the Last Supper before he went to be crucified. And so he spoke much about the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and for good reason. But I want you to notice what he said there in John 16. Behold, I tell you the truth. Now what about that? He is the, he is the truth. He doesn't have to say I'm telling you the truth because he is the truth. Right? But yet, it's something so powerful, something so strong, so, something so important, they had to realize, look, it is more important, what is the truth? It is more important for you that I leave, I go to heaven, 
and send the comforter. Send the Holy Ghost to the earth. Now you have to imagine this. Think about the wonderful, amazing things that Jesus did when he was here upon the earth. You think about when he was baptized in water and we see the cloud, you know, the dove come down out of the sky and light upon him. We see the signs, the wonders, and the miracles that took place as he proceeded to fulfill his ministry here on earth and on the shores of Galilee. We see him healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, mighty signs, walking on water. We see him calming the, the storms. All these wonderful things, multiplying the loaves and fishes, turning water into wine. And the list goes on and on. And they saw it all. Up on that mountaintop, they saw the blind, the deaf, the, those were dumb and maimed, and, and those were lame and maimed. And he saw them all made whole. Right before their eyes, he saw them, they saw them all made whole. And so he's now telling them, I know there's a lot that's been done. And I know that you're used to the supernatural working right here because I'm here. But I'm telling you the truth. You may not believe this, but I'm telling you the truth. It's more important for you that I go back and send the comforter, send the Holy Ghost to the earth. And for good reason. And what's the reason? We're going to talk about those in just a moment. The Spirit's ministry is essential if the works of God are going to continue here upon the earth. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, praise God, is what empowers us to continue the works of God. Look at John 14 and verse 12. And once again, Jesus speaking, verily, verily, where there's a double verily means truly, truly. In other words, I am telling you the absolute truth. That's the bottom line. I say to you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do. Now notice this, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So many have tried to interpret that, to try to make some meaning out of it. Could he actually mean that we would do the same works that he did? Does he really mean that? If, if we are to do the same works that he did, there must be the power or the ability or the divine enablement that enables us to do the works that he did. Right? Well, apparently it's all wrapped up in this ministry called the Holy Spirit. Which is why he began teaching them and taught them during this time at the Last Supper. The Holy Ghost is coming. I'm leaving, but the Holy Ghost is coming. About the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is God. The Holy Spirit is not some abstract force that's out there. Not some flesh, fleshly thing that's out there. He's not some manifestation of a cloud like so many people think that's all he is. He is God. The Holy Ghost is God. When Jesus walked on this earth, he was God manifested in the flesh. Right? Absolutely. God seen walking among men. And that's who he was. And that's who he is. But now, he came to do a work here upon this earth that would enable us to be filled with the same spirit of God that filled him. So that we could continue the works that he did when he was here upon the earth. Look in your Bible, 1 Corinthians 6. He wants to manifest himself in and through our flesh. Jesus went back to the Father, sends the Holy Ghost, but in the process he did a work that enabled the Holy Ghost to come and inhabit us and make us have God within us. 
as he was in Jesus. Look at the, look at the verse. What? Know you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which means we are the temple of the third person of deity. And the third person of deity is the combined presence of God the Father and God the Son in the life of a believer so that God can manifest himself through our flesh. Think about that. God wants to manifest himself in and through our flesh as he manifests himself through the Lord Jesus. So there must be a deep appreciation for each of us recognizing the fact that the Spirit is God. The Holy Ghost is God in us and God among us. Look at some of these verses that reveal to us the uh, Trinity. I know many say, well, the Trinity is not in the Bible. That word is not in the Bible. Well, we can see it here. Look at these verses. In John 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Look at right there, all three. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, number one, whom the Father, number two, will send in my name, number three, Jesus. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So we see the Godhead, we see the Trinity right there. Look at the next verse, chapter 15, verse 26. Chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. There it is right there. The Comforter is the Holy Ghost. I will send as Jesus from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. So we see in this verse, we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Look at Luke 3, 22. And the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape, like a dove, upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. So we see the Father speaking. We see the Spirit coming like a dove and lighting upon Jesus. And so we see the Trinity, the Godhead right there. Is the Holy Ghost any less God than God the Father and God the Son? Absolutely not. He is God, praise God. And where is He? Inside you. And if you're a Spirit-filled believer, you've got more of the glory on the inside of you. Look at Matthew 28, verse 19. Same concept. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So we see the Trinity revealed in Scripture. But it's also important to remember that each and every one of them have a part to play in creation and the redemption of mankind. I kind of likened it to a 4x4 four four race. Have you ever seen a 4x4 four four race in the Olympics? Say a 4x400. Four each one has his part to play. Each one takes their part, and they have a baton. And they pass the baton from one to the next to the next to the next. So the one that starts out with the baton runs 400. The next one, he passes the baton, he goes 400. Next one does the same thing and goes 400. And finally you got the last one, and that's 400. And then the race is over. Well, Father, the Father played a great role in all of creation, obviously, in all of redemption. He's the mastermind behind it all. It was up to the Father to design everything, right? In the very beginning, He did. Then, once He did that, He passed the baton onto Jesus. Why? Because man fell. And the work had to be done in order for man to be redeemed. 
So Jesus came. He's got the baton in his hand right now. And here he is upon the earth. He's doing the Father's will. He does all that's necessary to be done to redeem man from his fallen state. And of course, it was a tremendous work that he had to do. Then the third thing is, he takes that baton. He goes back to heaven. Hands it to whom? The Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost now has his part to play. And his part, what does he do? He has to see to it, first of all, that he takes the blood of Jesus by the eternal spirit. We are told he offered up to God as a sacrifice for our sin, right? Offered up by the eternal spirit. And then he descends. He, he comes down. And what does he do? He passes the baton unto you and unto me. And every single one of us, we've got a part to play in this whole drama of redemption. So the Father did His work, the Son did His work, the Holy Ghost is doing His work, and we are right now, the baton is in our hands, and it's up to us to continue the works of Jesus, as He said, the works that I do, shall you do also, and greater than these, as you do, because I am going to the Father. And so the Holy Ghost has descended, the Holy Ghost has come, and the Holy Ghost has recreated our spirits and gave us brand new life, and the Holy Ghost has filled us with His mighty power and glory. So that we can work the works of him that's in us. Another verse that reveals to us that the Holy Ghost is God. Look at Acts chapter 5 verse 3. But Peter said, this is Ananias and Sapphira. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep back part of the price of the land. Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. Who did he lie to? The Holy Ghost. And what does he say? And he is God. You lied to the Holy Ghost. You lied to God. The Holy Ghost is God. You see why there needs to be reverence when the Holy Ghost moves? Sometimes we get criticized because we're a Pentecostal church and we just want to wait and allow the Holy Spirit to move. And it seems like there's a lot of irreverence when it comes to that time of a worship service. And why is that? Not recognizing that God the Holy Ghost is moving and He is the third person of deity and we are to reverence His presence and His moving among us. Now remember... God the Father, God the Son, seated on the throne. Holy Ghost is here. This is His dispensation. He's the divine agent in the earth today. And when we come and we show reverence and respect like we did tonight in worshiping the Father, you can sense the presence, the power, the ability of the Holy Spirit beginning to uh, take place and move upon hearts and move upon lives and do what only God can do by His Spirit. But, but it's when all the people show and demonstrate reverence for this third person of deity. Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for living big among us. Thank you for manifesting yourself in us. Thank you for showing your power. Hallelujah. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 9. I just quoted this, but we'll read it. How much more shall, Christ, shall, shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How did he offer his blood? By the eternal spirit. Eternal means he always was. He always is. And he always will be. He is the Holy Ghost. And he is God. Look at Psalms 139. Beginning at verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Notice. 
from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. What is this talking about? He's omnipresent. He is omnipresent. Now that's a mystery. How can God be everywhere at the same time? I got a great answer for you. He's God. He's God. That's why. And he could be everywhere at the same time because he is God. And that's the Holy Spirit and he's omnipresent. Look at the next one. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 10 and 11. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all the things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of God, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. He is omniscient. He knows all things. Everything. Nothing is hidden before him. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. That's why he said he'll take a mind showed unto you. He'll show you things to come. He knows future events. He knows the past. And that's why these gifts of the Spirit in manifestation, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, discerning of spirits will demonstrate us and show to us different things that are in the spirit realm. But this is all connected to the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is God manifested here upon this earth. And behold, He's in you. You are His dwelling place. You are His temple. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And you know one major thing He wants to do in all of us? Quicken our mortal bodies. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the healing anointing that's on the inside of us and the power of the Most High. Look at the next one in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35. This is the uh, dialogue between Gabriel and Mary. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This is the work of the Godhead right there. Christ manifest in the flesh. The Father, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus the Son. Again, the, the uh, miracle of the incarnation, it just transcends human thought. It goes beyond what we can imagine. It's called the hypostatic union between deity and humanity. How, if we could ever see how he was before he had a body there at the right hand of the majesty on high. And here on earth, Mary saying, be it to me according unto your word. And then Jesus saying, a body that thou hast prepared for me. And this second person of deity enters into the womb of a woman. And a miracle of union takes place. A hypostatic union. Deity, humanity, and the person of one, Jesus Christ. Explain that to me. Can anybody here explain that to me? We can't. But notice the whole Godhead was involved in the incarnation. Wow. He's omnipotent is what that means. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. Is there anything, anything too hard for the Lord our God? Anything at all? Absolutely not. He is the divine agent who brought us to Christ. That's a time for us to shout. He is the divine agent that made it possible for you and for me, for us, to accept Christ. This is a major work of the Spirit. Look at John 16 once again, verses 8 and 9. 
And when he is come, speaking of the Holy Ghost, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. Now notice he's going to reprove the world first of all of sin. And why of sin? Notice the reason. Because they believe not on me. You realize that you and I cannot be saved apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction upon our hearts and souls of our lost condition. This can happen anywhere. It can happen at church service. It can happen in a hotel. It can happen driving in your car. It can happen in a mill crane. Anywhere we're at at any time, the Holy Ghost can and will manifest himself in my bedroom, going to sleep at night. As a teenager, this conviction came upon me. It was convicting me of my lost condition. And I would cry out, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I was not schooled or taught enough in spiritual things to even know that it was conviction. But for some reason, I kept crying out, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And I'm glad I did, because I said that, that God stayed with me by His Spirit. His Spirit did not leave me alone. I didn't accept Him right away, because I didn't know how to accept Christ right away. And I kept saying to the Lord, I wish someday I could know that I could make it into heaven. And He would send labors of love to come to me and tell me I must be born again. And I thought they were lunatics. I thought they were out of their mind, because I was not educated in the truth of God's Word. And so this kept going on and going on in my life. But thank God that the Holy Spirit is faithful, and He'll strive, not forever, but he'll, He will work with people. And I kept on saying, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to hell. But I was rejecting everything that he was sending my way. Aren't you glad he's patient? Aren't you glad he's patient with all of us? He knew that I wasn't understanding things. Then finally one day the light bulb went on and I understood. And I realized my need to accept Christ as my Savior. But how did I do that? Why did I do that? Because the Holy Ghost kept his convicting power upon my life. Until I made my choice and made my decision. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. Wherefore I give to you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And that no man, everybody say no man. No man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. What a part that he plays in our salvation. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that convicts us. Brings us to the real, reality of our lost condition. And then empowers us so that we can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Aren't you glad you did? And now notice again that verse 9 again. Look at the, that verse 9 where the uh, because is. Of sin. Why? Because they don't do right things. Because they don't live right. Because they do bad things. No. But because they don't believe on me. They don't believe on me. He is the only way, truth, and life. We must believe on Him. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes to the blessed truths of redemption. So I tell you what, we should be so thankful for the Holy Ghost. Can you see why it was more profitable or beneficial or expedient? Like Jesus said, look, it's better for you if I go and the Holy Ghost come. Because I'm here, I'm limited in this physical body. I can't go everywhere at the same time in this body. But if I go back in a glorified state and I send the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, He'll just... Manifest His glory throughout all the world, globally, everywhere. And bring people into the kingdom. Thank God for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Look at John 16.10 now. Of righteousness. Now notice, He'll convict us of righteousness. Why? Because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Notice that statement. Because I go to the Father. 
You see, he had his part to play in redemption. And the part that he played made it possible for us to enter into a position of right standing with the Father. It could not be done apart from the work of Jesus Christ. He's come to convict us of righteousness. Righteousness, in other words, being available. You're not in right standing with God right now, but you can be in standing with, with God. Because a work was done, not by Confucius, not by Buddha, but a work was done by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that work that he did made it possible for us to enter into a right relationship with the living God. And the Holy Ghost, once he enters into our lives, will also continue to manifest himself in us, to correct us when we're wrong, to convince us, praise God, of things to come, as he said, to show us things to come. And then also uh, make us aware of the fact that the devil's been defeated and he's overthrown by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ. He will correct us. He's on the inside of us to move upon our hearts to let us know right from wrong. So he'll correct us when we're wrong. He'll convince us and he'll also make us aware of the fact that we're forgiven and he'll give us confidence that Satan has been defeated. Aren't you glad that Satan has been defeated? The devil's been overthrown by the precious work of Jesus Christ. And you know what? He has no right to hold us captive if you want to be set free. He has no right to hold a sinner bound if they don't want to be bound. Look at the next one. Look at verse 11. He's also come to convince the world of judgment. These are major points. Why? Because this is what it's all about. It's all about getting the lost saved. Getting the end of the kingdom of God to become children of the Most High God. Of judgment. And why? Because the prince of this world is judged. You know what? It means he's been found guilty. He's found guilty. Now this next verse, John 12, it should be verse 31, not 11. But write it in your notes there if you have. It's 31. Let's read it. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Satan was cast out and found guilty. And he'll spend an eternity in the lake of fire where he will suffer for his transgressions. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Now that he's been defeated, he can no longer hold anybody captive. No one has to suffer the same judgment that he is going to suffer if they don't want to. They don't have to. He was found guilty, he will suffer. We were guilty, but Jesus acquitted us. He paid the price for us. We can be declared not guilty because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the conviction of the Holy Ghost is this. Look, you don't have to die and go to hell for eternity. You don't have to. You, if you want to, you can. That's up to you. But provision has been made for you by the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ so you can be delivered and set free and that you can have eternal life with Him in glory. Now that's up to the individual to take His place and do His part. We must accept Him as our Savior and as our Lord. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. Praise God. I don't want to be judged with Him, do you? He's been judged. And thank God we don't have to be judged with His judgment. Jesus was declared righteous when he was raised up from the dead and the righteousness of those who believe in him. So we be, he made sin for us who knew no sin. Why? That we be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank God. Now the warning. Here it is. Look at Mark's gospel. Chapter 3. Here is the warning. 
Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Would you call those powerful words from the lips of our Lord? Imagine that. Imagine that statement and the power that's behind it. You see, it's only the Spirit who can lead us to Christ. But look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3 from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Then the Lord said, My Spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. But notice the first part of the Scripture. My Spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. In other words, there's a limit. The Holy Ghost will convict an individual until he is convinced that the person will never, ever come to Christ. And you know what? That's an awful state to be in. If a person blasphemes the work of the Holy Spirit, he has no means by which to come to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that brings us to Christ. He opens up our eyes, enables us to see. And if someone speaks blasphemy, as they were speaking blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which was the power that was working through Jesus' life to cast out devils, they're in danger, Jesus said, of eternal damnation. He's the only one who can bring us to Christ. He's the one who convicts us of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And remember the Jews when they stoned Stephen and how he cried out and said, you always resist the Holy Ghost. You always resist the Holy Ghost. And that resisting the Holy Ghost led them to kill this man of God. If they never turned around, they're lost for eternity. Imagine that. How awful to step into eternity in that lost condition. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. The only way for us to have successful lives and ministries, the only way to successful reach the world for Christ involves power from on high. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost. You know, we say that term, the Holy Ghost, but who is the Holy Ghost? God. God, the Holy Ghost, has come upon you. Now notice this, and you shall be. Remember earlier in Matthew, he said to his disciples, he said, follow me, and I will make you. Right? I will make you. Follow me, and I will make you. Here he says, Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, and you shall be. And you shall be. In other words, this is what I want you to be. This right here. The Holy Ghost will come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. It is the endowment of power from on high in the life of a believer. And you know, the devil will fight us tooth and nail to see to it that people who are Christians, they don't get empowered by the Holy Ghost. He'll mess their minds up with doctrines and just anything and everything he can use to get a person 
to be afraid of being filled with Holy Ghost power. You might speak in tongues. Why not? They all did. That's of the devil. Jesus said you won't receive a serpent or a scorpion, scorpion if, I, if you ask me for the Holy Ghost. No. But he'll come up with all kinds of false doctrines to get people afraid of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he does not want you to be a spirit-filled believer endued with power from on high. The same anointing, the same equipping that was upon our Savior and Lord when he went through all of Galilee and did all the works that he did signs, wonders, miracles, demonstrations of God's mighty power came after he was in with power from on high. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. Anywhere you go, everywhere you go, God's power inside us wants to be released through us to touch the hearts and lives of people. The work of God cannot be done any other way. It takes this power from on high. And finally, the Father did his work. Did he not? He is the mastermind behind all of redemption. And he did his work. Great work, by the way. Secondly, he passed the baton on to Jesus. And Jesus did his work. And oh my, my, my. When we think about the work that Jesus did. That no other being could possibly do. In all of the universe... Any creature in heaven, earth, or beneath the earth, and such as are in the sea, no one, anywhere, any place in all of creation could do the work that Jesus did. When he hung on that cross, he was the only one who could mediate between God and man. Otherwise, man is on the outside forever and looking in. But the work that he did was a powerful work of redemption to deliver us from our sin-sick souls. He did what he did, went to the high court of heaven, offered up his blood by the eternal spirit, and passed that baton onto the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost had to come to the earth to make the reality of the work of Jesus, of the work of Jesus, a reality in our lives. The new births, making us the temple of the Most High God. And once we've been made the temple, we were clean, made clean and whole by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we are prepared to receive the glory, the endowment of power as the Holy Spirit, the third person of deity, the Godhead, Number three, the Holy Ghost comes and enters into us and passes the baton to you and to me. And we take it up, praise God, like the mantle of Elisha who took the mantle of Elijah and say, let's go, boys, let's do it. Let's wreak havoc with the kingdom of darkness. Let's promote the kingdom of God upon the earth. Let's get out there and save the lost, heal the sick, set the captives free. Thank you, Father, for endowment of power. The question is, are we willing? Are we willing to take up the baton? And just say, Lord, I am here. I give myself. I yield myself. I surrender my heart. I surrender my will. It's no longer my will, but thine will be done. I want you to inhabit me. Lift in me mightily, powerfully. May your glory flood my soul. May it rise up on the inside of me. Everywhere I go, may it ooze out from me in Holy Ghost power, in waves of glory, waves of mercy, waves of compassion and love. Transform my life, praise God by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I want to thank you, Father, for making me a vessel of your love. An instrument of righteousness, a tool in his hand, carrying out his will in a glorious way. Let's all stand.